Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. BetOnline.ag is back and better than ever for the 2021 football season. With a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, BetOnline continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 100% welcome bonus. Double your initial deposit just for signing up today. Use the promo code NFL100 at checkout. BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, that music means it's time for the memes of the weekend here on the Take It Easy podcast. It's memes of the weekend for week three of the NFL season and week four of the college football season. We've got a lot of fun to get to here on the show. A lot of returning favorites here. In fact, I think it's our four or four of the six classics here on the memes of the weekend, which, you know, we're hitting a bunch of them here. You got the ACC Coastal. You're going to hit the Pac-12 South. We're going to talk about Gus Johnson. We've got our Phillip Rivers Purgatory segment and, of course, uh, the ones that we're missing are Nebraska and Florida State. We can laugh at Florida State, though, being one of four FCS or FBS teams that is currently 0-4. We can laugh at that and how terrible Florida State was um, against, I think, Louisville this week. I think they lost to Louisville by a couple touchdowns. But uh, other than that, we got a lot of the classics and a lot of the newbies here. And uh, the place I want to start is uh, is Gus Johnson with the call on the Jamal Agnew, shout-out Point Loma High School, kick return for 109 yards and six points for the Jaguars that ultimately didn't mean anything because Trevor Lawrence completed one pass in the second half or in the third quarter, and it was to Byron Murphy, the Cardinals corner, and went back for a pick six. Why do you run a flea flicker when you can't even run your regular offense? It was just terrible, terrible all the way around for the Jacksonville Jaguars. But this was the bright spot, and the bright spot for all of us is getting to listen to Gus Johnson call this courtesy of Fox Sports. Again, in case I didn't explain it well on the front end, or you somehow did not see this video that has 2.9 million views on Twitter, Gus Johnson is calling a 109-yard missed field goal returned for touchdown to end the half by Jamal Agnew of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Shout out Point Loma High School, 619. It was an unbelievable call in the moment. I'm just like, Gus Johnson is the gift that keeps on giving. He just ends up in so many of these crazy situations, and he's just a brilliant commentator. We talked about it 
four, three weeks ago when Penn State played Wisconsin, he had one of the most amazing calls ever. Last week, Nebraska and Oklahoma, he got to call the one-handed interception and had an unbelievable call there that you can Google on the internet. And then last week, he got to call the Minnesota-Arizona missed field goal with Aqib Tlaib. And thank you, thank you, thank you, Fox Sports booth. Whoever, he or she who is running Fox Sports and decided to keep Gus Johnson and Aqib Tlaib in the broadcast booth together, thank you, thank you, thank you for continuing it even if they're just going to call every Cardinals game for the rest of the season. I'm totally cool with that. Just keep giving us Gus Johnson and Aqib to leave broadcasts so we can get more moments like this because Gus Johnson is the fun broadcaster. Gus Johnson is not like the stuffy regular broadcasters. He gives us these amazing moments sometimes twice a week. Unbelievable. That man is working so hard, too, by the way. The fact they've got him doing college football games in the mornings on Saturdays and then doing NFL games like 24 hours later. Whew, they got that man working hard right now to earn that paycheck. Highest paid broadcaster at Fox behind Joe Buck. They are making that man work. All right, next up here, let's talk about this Dolphins Raiders game. Because it was just so funny all the way through. First of all, the fact that last year was the uh, the the Ryan Fitzpatrick face mask touchdown play, and the whole way through that, I said, "Tell me the difference between the Dolphins and the Raiders." Just one got unlucky in one possession games, the other didn't. Dolphins won ten games, Raiders won seven last year. Try and tell me the difference between the Raiders and the Dolphins. You can't. Those two teams were just identical last year. And I was laughing the whole way through this because I'm like, you could say the same thing theoretically again this time because it's just like all the way through. Name me the difference between the Raiders and the Dolphins. And this is the Dolphins with Jacoby Brissett, by the way. This was, you know, like their Fitzmagic replaced by a less cool version of Fitzmagic and less interesting version of Fitzmagic in Jacoby Brissett, who still, Jacoby Brissett has the powers just like Fitzmagic to magically take a game away from you. Maybe he doesn't have the powers to magically win one the way Fitzmagic gets grabbed by the face mask and fires a 40-yard completion so the Dolphins can almost make the playoffs. But even then, with Jacoby Brissett, that game was just stupid fun. John Gruden looks like he's always just having an aneurysm on the sidelines. It's really unhealthy to watch John Gruden pace the sidelines. His forehead is permanently stuck in a downwards angry face. He looks like the Chucky doll. He looks like, you know, all all the jokes we make about John Gruden. I'll tell you what, man. Somehow we got to the end of that game and didn't have any timeouts, man. We really got to shore things up on that defense, man. We got to got to not get the 12 men on the field, you know. You know, knock on wood if you're with me, man. And anyways, so the game coming down to the end is 23-15. And this is like this is that game in the afternoon window that you like you kind of are following, but it's you're really interested in Bucks and Rams all the way through, and you're kind of interested in the Seahawks and Vikings one too. But the whole way through, you're just kind of watching, and you're like, okay, this game was 14 nothing, and then you had the screen pass at the goal line, which is literally one of the worst play calls you could make at the goal line, is to call a screen pass the way the Dolphins did, but to each their own. So it was 14 nothing Miami, then it was 19 to 14 
Then it was 25, which I think came from two field goals because Daniel Carlson, who used to be a meme because he missed like four straight field goals for the Vikings and got cut. Daniel Carlson's made like 29 straight field goals or something now, which is unbelievable to think about. So you've got Daniel Carlson making two field goals and it's 25 to 17 and... Miami's like marching down the field and they get the ball to the one on like a 40 yard pass interference by the Raiders defense. And so there's like a minute left. They've got first and goal at the one and it's 25 17 Raiders are ahead of the Dolphins. So the Dolphins are down eight at this point. And I, I feel like right in this moment is when Jacoby Brissett officially became a backup quarterback because this week Jacoby Brissett said, I am not a backup. Do not call me a backup. And on this game plan, Jacoby Brissett's a big dude, by the way. Like they would put him in for like the Phillip Rivers package where they would just run like goal line sets. Jacoby Brissett has it first and goal at the one. They need a touchdown and a two point conversion. There's about 50 seconds left. They run Wildcat to Malcolm Brown, who is not even their power back. So on first and goal at the one with Jacoby Brissett, they run the Wildcat play with Malcolm Brown, who is actually, by the way, 5'11", 225. So he is their larger back, but still they run Wildcat to Malcolm Brown and they get stopped for negative one yards. So now it's second and goal at the two. They run Wildcat again to Malcolm Brown, don't get in, and so now they have third down, goal to go, 28 seconds, and they have to call timeout, their last timeout. So now you have a play call designed for, here's what we're going to run on third, if we don't get it, then we're going to do this on fourth down without calling a timeout or spiking or anything. The Raiders have no timeouts. The Dolphins have no timeouts because both teams were terrible with the clock management. And they don't get in on third down. I can't remember what they called on third down, but they don't get in on third down. And so fourth down, they got to run up to the line. They got one play, no time left on the clock. And it's Jacoby Brissett taking the snap weaving through the offensive or weaving through the line like stepping up in the pocket weave through the line and you're just like oh god this is just the worst play call ever but it ends up being a Jacoby Brissett keeper and he ends up just dialing it up and getting across the goal line with two seconds left on the clock so now they need a two-point conversion and who do they go to the guy we were joking about on Friday, the last words you heard on the podcast, well, second to last words, because we joked about Preston Williams, was Will Fuller, baby. Will Fuller, wearing a single-digit number, caught the two-point conversion for the Miami Dolphins to force overtime. And then the Raiders went down and kicked a field goal on the first possession of overtime. Yeah, nothing super interesting there. They had a huge play to Brian Edwards, which, shout-out to Canadian Cutler with the stat that Brian Edwards has more overtime receiving yards than he does regular game receiving yards in his career because he was the guy who caught the big play for them against Baltimore too. So Brian Edwards makes a big play, but yada yada. What ends up for the Dolphins is the most Dolphins scenario. They're just fourth and 20. 
They're on their own side of the field. They're talking about how the Raiders haven't started 3-0 and since their 2002 Super Bowl run. And what do the Dolphins do on 4th and 20? They throw a 40-yard pass to a Gusecki. Because, of course, they threw a 40-yard pass to a Gusecki. And all of a sudden, they just go down the field. Dolphins love 4th downs, apparently. They love just doing everything wrong on 1st, 2nd, and 3rd down on offense. But then on 4th down, they're just going to pull. They're going to shoot footballs out their ass and score touchdowns and throw 40-yard passes to Gusecki's. Because, of course, that's what the Dolphins are going to do. And so then they kick a field goal, and you're kind of just waiting for this game to end because the Vikings have already beaten the Seahawks. The Rams took care of the of the Buccaneers, even though you know it was a 10-point game. They were really up 17 and then garbage time score for the Bucks. And you're watching this game, and it's just back and forth, and both teams are playing like crap. Like, I, again, I'm tempted to say the same thing I said last year, which is look at the Dolphins, look at the Raiders, what is the difference between those two teams? Which you can make a, an argument this year. The Raiders do actually look slightly better than the Miami Dolphins. But last year, the Raiders looked slightly better than the Miami Dolphins. Dolphins finished with three more wins than them. Dolphins are in this rare club of teams that no one knows how good or bad they actually are. So the Raiders get the ball, they start working the ball into Miami territory, and this top defense from last year, which benefited from getting so many turnovers, just lets the Raiders march right down on them. And at one point, the Raiders are just trying to set up field positioning, and Kenyon Drake breaks off a gigantic run to put him inside the 20. And then the Raiders did the uh, the Raiders did the the uh, the quote unquote weak move. They're not the real men of football, and decided to kick the field goal instead of scoring the touchdown to make sure that if they do, if they didn't score or the field goal got blocked that the clock would run out and that they would at least get the tie against the Dolphins. Like, the best the Dolphins could do at that point was go for the tie. Daniel Carlson hits, like, a 22-yard chip shot field goal. So from, like, the five-yard line, they chose to kick the field goal instead of scoring the touchdown. Because um, remember what happened the last time they tried that against the Ravens? Alex Leatherwood false started because for some reason John Gruden called a hard count on the one-yard line to try and get someone to jump offside so he could gain literally half a yard. And it ended up false starting his first round pick that everyone was already critical of in Alex Leatherwood. But all worked out for the Raiders. They get to be 3-0. and They would be the weakest of the 3-0 and teams if not for the Denver Broncos and the Carolina Panthers. I don't know what to do with any of those teams, the Raiders, the Broncos, or the Panthers. I just don't know what to do with them at this point. Because um, the Dolphins, I don't think, are a playoff team. But they're basically no different than the Raiders. So I just don't know what to do with the Raiders. The Raiders, by the way, I was making this joke. Or I think it was the Broncos, actually. I think the Broncos play Baltimore, Pittsburgh. Um, they play like four, They play like Baltimore, Pittsburgh, the Browns, and I want to say the, the Raiders the next four games. So October's not going to be a fun month for the Broncos, even though they're 3-0 and right now. All right, just a couple quick things here from the NFL Sunday before we uh, get to the Philip Rivers Purgatory Award. Philip Rivers Memorial Philip Rivers Purgatory Award of the Week. Uh, we talk about Vandy. We talk about Iowa State. We talk about Clemson falling to 25. All kinds of fun stuff in there. But just some real quick hitters from the NFL Week. Uh 
Colts and Titans. Neither of those teams are actually good. One of them's going to win the division by default. Do the thing the AFC South always does, which is get the four seed in the AFC, lose a wildcard game on ESPN. So, Colts and Titans, neither team is good. Although I do want to talk about the Titans being up seven with about four minutes left in the game, scoring well, scoring a touchdown up one to go up seven, and then going for two to basically put the game out of reach versus letting the Colts potentially get two points on offense because, of course, you have Derrick Henry. Of course, you're just going to have Derrick Henry run the ball from the two-yard line and think that he'll get in more than 50% of the time. So they did that. They converted it. They win by nine. I lose my bet. Fun story at the end. Not a fun game at all. It was a total Colts-Titans game. I hope they throw the other one on Thursday night football. Falcons and Giants. The real losers of the weekend was everyone who had to watch the Falcons and Giants game as their local broadcast. Second only to people who had to watch Bears and Browns as their local broadcast, which was actually a larger portion of America. If that was their Fox game of the week, they got the shitty Bears-Browns game. Not as bad as getting Falcons and Giants, though. That is just two bad teams playing bad football. Game was close at the end. Falcons kicked a game-winning field goal. I think the Falcons and Chargers played an identical game last year. Two bad teams playing bad football. Giants, you had 10 days in between your heartbreaking loss to Washington and getting to play an easy one against the Falcons. And if you're not going to beat the Broncos, the Washington football team, and the Falcons, good God, your team is bad. Oh, New York Giants, it's so funny to watch you fail, just like it's so fun to watch the, the Bears fail. You thought you had expectations. But if this is any silver lining, at least Gettleman's going to get fired. Joe Judge is going to get fired. Daniel Jones is going to be gone. You guys get to reset everything over again and continue into your second decade of perpetual mediocrity. Your ass retired Eli Manning's jersey, booed the owner, and all of a sudden your team is still perpetually mediocre nine full years after you went to the Super Bowl. So apologies to everyone who had to watch that shitty game this weekend. Iowa State, let's talk about that now real quick because I'm running out of things from the NFL weekend. We talked about Dolphins Raiders, talked about Colts Titans, talked about Falcons Giants. Let's talk about the uh, Iowa State team. This is, I, I mean, we, we've already done a memes of the weekend topic on them, but this is why you don't stay together too long. Once you've maxed out your accomplishments at a certain place, you go somewhere else because Things like this can happen if you're Iowa State. If you're Iowa, I think you're a top five team right now. Right now being the keyword. But for Iowa State, you are now unranked. They got squashed by Baylor, who's not actually that good. Uh, I think Dave Aranda is the coach there. He was the DC for those uh, LSU teams with Joe Burrow and, and J- uh, Jamar Chase that sold their souls to win a, a national championship. I think he's the head coach at Baylor. Baylor now gets to be in the top 25 because this is how things work is in this weird college football season where more top 25 teams have lost in the first four weeks than the history of the poll era of the sport. When that happens, I guess we're just going to flip-flop teams who win. So now 
Baylor, you get to take the place Iowa State was in. NC State, you get to take the place Clemson was in. Arkansas, you whomp Texas A&M. You get to be number eight now. Texas A&M, you get to be number 15 where Arkansas was. We're just going to flip places of people when they whomp or when they don't whomp or when you know Clemson takes a dump and still gets to be 25 because we don't want to say Clemson's out of the top 25 even though they're really, really bad this year. Um, not really, really bad. Clemson, I, I'm surprised they fell all the way to 25, but I don't think NC State was really a team people had making it to the top 25 going into last week. Um, so Iowa State, Matt Campbell shouldn't have turned down $59 million from the Lions. I know things aren't going great for the Lions right now. Like, don't get me wrong there, but probably shouldn't have turned down that much money. Oh, you probably should have gone anywhere other than Iowa State, too, because this is P.J. Flex syndrome. By the way, row the boat. Lost as 31-point favorites to Bowling Green. First 30-plus point favorite to lose outright since 2019 in college football. P.J. Fleck cannot get another job outside of Minnesota. This is a classic case of what happens when you turn down too many jobs is at a certain point your value starts to disappear. And watch what's happening to Matt Campbell at Iowa State when he can't get a better job. And watch what happens to P.J. Fleck at Minnesota when now he can't get another job better than Minnesota. Turn down Oregon, no one else is calling. Matt Campbell turns down the Lions, no one else is calling. Sorry, Iowa State, classic example of giving up too little too late. We talked about this a little bit with Stripe Hype too. All the top quarterbacks are struggling. Sam Howell, North Carolina, lost by 23. He had a couple interceptions. Rattler got booed and people wanted him to get benched. Uh, Brock Purdy, not doing great at Iowa State right now. It's a rough time to be a quarterback at the top of the draft. Uh, Stripe Hype said there wasn't going to be a, a quarterback drafted in the top 10 this year, which I found to be low-key unbelievable but could happen who knows maybe it will uh what else do we have here oh uh now we can finish off our quick hitters well we talked about Clemson a little bit but uh we can finish off our quick hitters with Notre Dame and Wisconsin because my favorite one of my favorite stats of the weekend was that Notre Dame was losing with 414 left in the fourth quarter and ended up putting up 31 unanswered against Wisconsin to beat them by 28. Uh, that is Wisconsin football at its finest. I wish I didn't watch so much Wisconsin football to kick off my college football weekend. Really was the regret of my weekend, was spending three hours doing other stuff, yes, but spending three hours watching Wisconsin football. It is time for us to award... The Memorial Philip Rivers Purgatory Award for Week 3 of the NFL season. And there are so many people worthy of this award. We talked about it earlier with Mahomes on the NFL Monday 3 episode, which dropped before Memes of the Weekend, so you can check that out as well, that... Mahomes technically met the qualifications, about 40 seconds, one timeout, length of the field. He was almost there. So in a, in a lesser week, maybe Mahomes gets the award. Our traditional winner, who's won it the first two weeks, Kirk Cousins, uh, controlled the Seahawks quite handily this week. So Kirk Cousins doesn't get to qualify for the award that might ultimately one day be renamed in Kirk Cousins' honor for always being down eight no timeouts, length of the field. Jacoby Brissett was literally in a similar situation. He was uh, 
down eight, one timeout, length of the field to go. The problem there was Jacoby Brissett got to the one-yard line with 40 seconds left. So Jacoby Brissett wasn't quite a true Phillip Rivers purgatory. This week's winner, although those were two very good candidates, Mahomes and Brissett, this week's winner is Lamar Jackson for a 4th and 20 with no timeouts left conversion against the Detroit Lions, leading to the spike and, of course, the 66-yard field goal from Justin Tucker, which was just unbelievable. That was probably the most exciting finish of the last couple of years in football, the 66-yarder off the back of the crossbar, uh, off the bottom crossbar, and going in, that ball could have just bounced either way, and Justin Tucker bangs it from 66 to set an all-time NFL record by two yards. That man knew he needed to get to the opera as fast as possible. For those who don't know, that's a fun fact that Justin Tucker is also an opera singer. Fun little tidbit about him. Check out the Real Sports segment about Justin Tucker. It's super interesting. Um, Justin Tucker's going to make it into the Hall of Fame as a kicker. That dude was unbelievable in that game, and we got the magical moment. And, like, if you're Man Campbell and you're the Lions, that's just got to hurt so much. And we haven't gotten to use the Lions theme song yet this year, but if you're going to lose on a 66-yarder, I think that this is the best time you can get to play the Lions theme song that we use as our transition. Because who knows how long it's going to be before I get to use the Lions transition. So let's just do it now in honor of the Lions' valiant effort against the Ravens. If you're going to lose on a 66-yard field goal, that's the closest to a win you can get. The Lions deserve it. So here's our Lions theme song that we use as transitions on the NFL Monday podcast whenever teams win, which is, of course, fittingly for Man Campbell. Who knows when we'll get to use it. It might be a while looking at the Lions schedule. I, I don't know if there's very many winnable games here for the Lions coming up. So it might be a while before we get to use that. So congratulations to uh, Baltimore and Lamar Jackson for the Memorial Phillip Rivers Purgatory Award of Week 3. All right, to wrap up the show here today, we're going to do the thing that we should be doing every single week, which is mocking the ACC and the Pac-12, which, by the way, shout out to the Shutdown Fullcast for coming up with the joke that uh, the <laughs> the ACC is just the Pac-12 with lacrosse, because I think that is such a crazily accurate statement, because 
the ACC just exists to all beat each other, or the, well, really the Pac-12 just exists to all beat each other up, and nobody gets to be good in that conference. But now that uh, Clemson's no longer the dominant power that runs the ACC or runs college football, now we have a nice little flip-flop there between Clemson and, uh, or I'm sorry, between the Pac-12 and uh, the ACC. And it looked like Oregon was going to assume the Clemson role and be like the best team between the Pac-12 and the ACC, but not even Oregon could withstand the powers of the Pac-12. Now, the Pac-12 work was trying to do what it does best, but they resisted. Oregon ended up beating Arizona by 23, but there was a time in the game where Oregon was really struggling to put away Arizona. It was an eight-point game in the fourth quarter. Arizona was a stop away from getting the ball back. Again, the same Arizona team that last week we roasted meticulously for losing to a Northern Arizona team that is 0-2 in Big Sky Conference play. Arizona is worse than FCS teams at this point because Arizona was shitty last year, fired their coach, and in the transfer portal era, that means all those shitty players ended up transferring to other schools, so they had to recruit even worse players that aren't really FBS caliber types. They're just going to Arizona because they had literally no other options in the FBS. So Arizona was putting a test on Oregon, the same Oregon team that handled Ohio State two weeks ago, because that's how the Pac-12 works. Oregon State, shit school. They have been terrible for so long, but they tried to turn it around. They were going to be terrible this year. Go into USC and beat the Trojans the last week before players had to redshirt for the season. I am sure a number of USC players were redshirting after that one. Oregon State, who probably will not win more than three games this season, they've already won two, drubbed USC, and Oregon State ends up winning that game. Them and Washington State are the two worst teams in the Pac-12 North. Washington State got smacked by Utah. That was normal. UCLA got smacked by Stanford. Or I'm sorry, UCLA beat Stanford by 11, about as normal as you could expect from that conference. Arizona State beat Colorado by 22, about as normal as you could expect from that conference. Then we have Cal and Washington. Because Oregon is far and away the best team in the Pac-12, especially the Pac-12 North. Because after Oregon, you probably say UCLA is the next best team because they're the only other ranked team in the Pac-12 because they've all beaten each other up already or lost to Mountain West teams or lost to Northern Arizona. But I, I diverge. Washington was supposed to be the second best team in the Pac-12 North. Then they lost to Montana. Then they lost to Michigan. Then they played Cal this week, a Cal team that... It's pretty average. They're just fighting to get to the Foster Farms Bowl, you know? Maybe finish third, fourth in the terrible Pac-12 North. Beat Washington State. Beat Oregon State, which might be a problem now because Oregon State just beat USC. Maybe you'll win those two conference games. You get to be two and, I don't know, six in the conference or three and five in the conference. Maybe get five, six wins. Fight to make the Foster Farms Bowl or fight your tail off to make the Tony the Tiger Bowl, um, whatever it might end up being. You're just trying to get to a bowl game and call that a successful season. And Cal and Washington went to overtime. And in overtime, Cal fumbled the ball at the one-yard line 
and Washington ends up winning the game in the back end of overtime, kicking the extra point because that's how we do it in college football overtimes. Both teams end up feeling like losers as they walk off the field as Washington ends up beating Cal in just a pointless game to decide a distant second place in the Pac-12. Now let's go to the ACC because they had a fun weekend. We talked about it earlier with Sam Howell. Georgia Tech beat North Carolina, the team that was supposed to be a top 10 team in the ACC, lost to Virginia Tech in week one. And we're like, okay, setback for North Carolina, but they can be okay. It was like ACC's coastal is ACC coastaling themselves. Boom, Georgia Tech 23-point drubbing of North Carolina because all the ACC Coastal teams just beat each other up and no one's allowed to be good. Now North Carolina gets to be unranked. NC State beats Clemson. No need to elaborate further on that. Boston College, undefeated. Wake Forest, undefeated. They beat Virginia. They beat the brakes off of Virginia. It was a drubbing there. NC State gets the win. Louisville beats Florida State, who's also terrible. Duke looked like they were going to lose to Kansas a week after beating Northwestern, but Duke ended up coming through and pummeling the Kansas team that stormed the field after beating a 6-10 FCS team. Duke, good job for Duke football, I guess. Duke football scored 50-plus points against Power 5 teams the last couple weeks. So maybe the preseason 7th-ranked team in the ACC Coastal can come around and win the conference because that's how the ACC Coastal works. Everyone has an equal chance. They're all going to beat each other up. Someone's going to just win enough coin flip games to go 5 and 2 and play in the conference championship against at this point 12 and 0 Boston College or 12 and 0 Wake Forest because that's how I expect the ACC to go at this point into the season. Also, the Jets got shut out. <laughs> Have a great week, everybody. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. This has been the memes of the weekend.